Well, welcome to the final Wednesday broadcast for November. You heard final. I know what your brain did. Mine does the same thing, too. What do you mean the final? <laughs> it's just the last Wednesday of the month. Welcome to this edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Wednesdays are fun because they're everyone wins days, which means everybody who calls a program is going to win something. And we've got a great resource to kind of prime the pump with uh, Jay Payleitner, who's been with us many times before here on the broad, uh, Bottom Line Show broadcast, has a new book out about Bible verses. And uh, it's one you're going to really appreciate. And everybody who calls in is going to get a chance. we got two or three copies of Jay's book. Going to give you a chance to weigh in on a Bible verse issue happening at a public school in Florida, I believe, um, that uh, where a teacher has printed a Bible verse in a parking space and a fellow co-worker has filed a lawsuit saying I'm offended by it. Um, but then, of course, everybody who calls the station today at 800-227-5278 is going to win something. Today is also the final day of our Thanksgiving, well, giving thanks, I should say. You know, you say Thanksgiving and people automatically think of turkey and stuffing. Excuse me, turkey and dressing. Let's get that straight, okay? <laughs> you, you might stuff something in the bird, but in our family, my wife makes dressing. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, there are people in your world that you're thankful for. And this is kind of a thankfulness month, of course, of Thanksgiving and Veterans Day and things like that. We have been, for the bulk of the month, taking uh, nominations from you as bottom line listeners and K-Bright listeners in particular, for whom you are truly thankful. And we have a ton of, like, goodies to give away. Our friends at InTouch, Dr. Charles Stanley Ministry, has uh, has made a donation or two. Uh, Turning Point, David Jeremiah, Skyline Radio, Dr. Jeremy McGarity. Uh, we've got in and out We've got... Hobby Lobby, gift cards, books, calendars, you name it. 29 gifts to make available to 29 people. And all you have to do is reach out to us online. Go to kbrightradio.com forward slash thankful. And you can go ahead and punch in your information. But today is a little different because it is Everyone Wednesday. And I have been given special clearance by our uh, marketing coordinator, uh, Teresa Kim, we are going to give you the opportunity when you call 800-227-5278 to nominate someone for this thankfulness gift and they win something and you win something. We've got three of these that we're giving away. Let's just do this right now. 800-227-5278. See, it pays to be listening to the first part of the program, right? <laughs> I'll love to give stuff away during the three o'clock Pacific, four o'clock mountain time hour. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line if you want to nominate someone in our we give thanks uh giveaway here you know everybody who we're going to pick 29 winners so a lot of people are going to win but if you call right now and nominate someone for the thankfulness gift you're going to win a gift too 800-227-5278 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom have published a letter that actually was recently updated by Gregory Baylor. And it's with regard to the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, this is an act that was passed in the Senate. There, a version of this passed in the House of Representatives. The Senate passed their bill after the midterms when they want, they they were really testing the water here. They, they weren't sure they were going to have a majority that would you know kind of keep them bulletproof and veto proof. 
And when they were able to convince 12 Republican senators to vote for this mess, uh, it's called the Respect for Marriage Act. It really is misnamed, and it enshrines same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage into federal law in the United States. Now, it has to go back to the House of Representatives. They'll take a look at it. They'll decide if they can live with the Senate version or if they need to come up with their own amendments to it. Uh, Mike Lee, senator from Utah, actually came up with a couple of uh, amendments that were designed to help at least the uh, faith-based community, and I think that one may have not passed. Anyway, this is what Greg Baylor at the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, who partners with us here at the Bottom Line Show and National Crawford Roundtable, uh, has written with regard to um, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. As soon as the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade in June, activists went to work mischaracterizing the ruling. Many used the decision, and particularly Justice Clarence Thomas's concurrence, to stoke fears that the court might overturn other precedents, including Obergefell versus Hodges, in which the court literally invented a constitutional quote-unquote right to same-sex quote-unquote marriage. Now remember, that's the premise for Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade was an interpretation of the 14th Amendment that was badly misinterpreted by seven of the nine justices on the Supreme Court on the 22nd of January, 1973. All that happened with the Dobbs decision on the 24th of June, 2022, was that the court said, wait, we are recognizing that Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey were not interpreted properly. If we're ruling that Dobbs versus Jackson is in fact law, then there's language in here that basically nullifies the fact that the Supreme Court literally invented a right to abortion, just as they invented a right to same-sex quote-unquote marriage. Gregory Baylor from ADF continues, using this feigned outrage as a cover, these activists push for a federal law called the Respect for Marriage Act. The bill is completely unnecessary. And to point out the fact, once the Obergefell versus Hodges decision was handed down by the Supreme Court in 2015, same-sex quote-unquote marriage became legal in all 50 states plus the District of Columbia. Do we need a federal law to codify it? Well, not really. Um, the bill is unnecessary, Gregory Bailey writes, and could have a disastrous effect on religious freedom. Now, that is a cause for concern. The Respect for Marriage Act was introduced in July and quickly sailed through the House of Representatives without any public hearings or committee hear meetings. That's interesting. Why would something this major just kind of slide under the radar like that? Uh, it enabled proponents to mischaracterize the bill as simply a codification of Obergefell. After outcry from thousands of religious Americans and faith-based organizations and churches, a small group of senators offered a substitute version that they claim fixed the bill's religious liberty problems. Let's be clear, Gregory Baylor writes, the religious freedom protections in the new version of the Respect for Marriage Act are entirely inadequate. So what is the Respect for Marriage Act all about? Gregory Baylor writes, the badly misnamed Respect for Marriage Act codifies an incorrect understanding of marriage, and it enables litigation against those who disagree. That's the key part that has Christians so concerned. While proponents of the bill claim that it simply codifies the 2018 or 2015, rather, Obergefell decision, in reality, it's an intentional attack on religious freedom of millions of Americans with sincerely held beliefs about marriage. The Respect for Marriage Act threatens religious freedom and the institution of marriage in multiple ways. First, it further embeds a false definition of marriage into the American legal fabric. Second, it opens the door for federal recognition of polyamorous relationships. 
Third, it jeopardizes the tax-exempt status of nonprofit organizations that exercise their belief that marriage is the union of one man and one woman. Fourth, it endangers faith-based social service organizations by threatening litigation and liability risk if they follow their views on marriage when working with the government. And fifth, it could make religious freedom and free speech cases more difficult to win. The truth is the Respect for Marriage Act does nothing to change the status of same-sex marriage or the benefits afforded to same-sex couples following Obergefell. It does, however, endanger religious freedom. Has the Marriage Act passed in Congress? On July 19th of 2022, the House of Representatives passed the Respect for Marriage Act. The vote caught many by surprise. Not only did it happen so quickly, just one day after the bill was introduced, when was the last time that ever happened in Congress? But a surprising 47 Republicans in the House of Representatives, many of whom likely did not appreciate the threat it posed to religious liberty, voted in favor of the bill anyway. As the bill moved over to the U.S. Senate, a strong coalition of religious organizations voiced concerns and urged the Senate slow down and take their time to consider the true consequences. An alliance of over 80 groups sent Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and all GOP members of the Senate a letter urging them and him to stand firm against pressures to move the bill forward. Over 2,000 churches and ministries sent a letter to the Senate specifically, calling attention to the effects of the bill on their ability to serve their communities in accordance with their religious beliefs. Alliance Defending Freedom organized and led both of those initiatives, and the efforts worked. After the Respect for Marriage Act sped through the House of Representatives, the Senate delayed consideration of the bill for many months so senators could better understand the harms it would inflict on countless Americans. While many have voiced opposition to the bill in total, a small group of senators from both parties, led by Senators Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin and Susan Collins of Maine, worked to amend the bill to address the concerns that have been raised. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer embraced this new version of the bill. Now, this is key. Susan Collins is a moderate Democrat who actually kind of leaned more toward Amy Coney Barrett than you would have thought she would have. Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader uh, for the Democrat side of the equation, actually has a daughter who's in a same-sex relationship. So, of course, he's going to. So for him to say, okay, let's codify this thing. Basically just saying it's an election year. We all need a win. We need to prove to our base that we're standing up for the rights of the little people, as it were. Um, but then the election was coming up and they waited and waited and waited. Unfortunately, uh, Greg Baylor at the uh, ADF writes, the substitute does little to fix the bill's significant religious freedom issues. It merely gives the illusion of addressing the bill's problems while giving cover to those committed to supporting the bill. So hence the reason why Chuck Schumer was in favor of it. On November the 19th, the Senate advanced the Respect for Marriage Act passed a potential filibuster, setting it up for a vote for final passage. 12 Republicans joined the Democrats to vote in favor of the bill. The senators cited addition of the inadequate religious liberty protections to justify their vote. The senators who voted for this bill now have one last chance to minimize the damage for religious freedom by asking Senate leadership to consider meaningful amendments to the Respect for Marriage Act, chief among them a proposal from Utah Senator Mike Lee that includes broad, comprehensive religious liberty protections. What does the bill do in its current form? It provides no real protections for religious organizations. It also leaves numerous religious social service organizations vulnerable. It fails to address concerns over the nonprofit's tax exempt status, and there is a list of others that are basically at risk. 
We're going to put this letter up at thebottomlineshow.com, and I encourage you to read it. Pray over it, and then contact your senators. Say, look, get the amended version of this bill in. Same-sex marriage, unfortunately, is not going anywhere on the legal side. But what's really at risk here is churches and nonprofit organizations run the risk risk of losing big time and possibly even losing their licensing if this bill passes and they're found guilty of violating the effects of it. The letter's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Okay, you know John 3.16, you know Philippians 4.13, you know Jeremiah 29.11. But what about the verses that follow them? What about Romans 8.29? Joshua 24, 16, you know, Jay Payleitner has written a fascinating book called The Next Verse, What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. There's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jay joins me to talk about those verses in entirety. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You never know what little thing you can do for someone that can make a change in their life. Personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover has a servant's heart. She will do everything in her power to fully restore you to what your life was like before your injury using her 25 years of experience to fight for the fair value of your case. Stephanie puts others first and works tirelessly for her clients. Even when she can't help through representation, she does everything she can do to connect people with the help they need through spreading the word of God and sharing her community. Stephanie Cover is grateful for what she has and tries to give back however she can. She believes that as a Christian, you don't turn your back on anyone. Save her number or call now. 877-214-4935. 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover. She knows the other side. Two things I can assure you of when it comes to personal injury law. First and foremost, when you get into an accident, you will not have time to think, what was the number and what was the name of that attorney? And secondly, when you get into an accident, the other side has legal representation and they're coming after you. Make sure you're prepared. Stephanie Cover with Cover Law, 877-214-4935. You know the verses. You have quoted so many of them. You know them all by heart. They show up on bumper stickers. They show up at football games. They are the essence of our Christian faith. But what happens when you take a look at what follows them directly in the context of Scripture? What if you took a look at literally the verse that follows John 3.16, which is John 3.17, or Philippians 4.6? What does Philippians 4.7 say? Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to take take a a wander down that road with a man who actually spent some time uh, taking a look at what he calls the next verse. He's written a book about it. Jay Payleitner is his name. The next verse, which you never knew about 60 of your favorite Bible passages. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jay Payleitner, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Well, Roger, what a privilege to chat with you, of course, and you're exactly right. We're talking about the bottom line here, which is the next, the verse and the next verse. What's at the bottom of your favorite verse in your Bible? So I thought that was a clever way to introduce our little topic here today. Again, <laughs> Thanks for having me. Sure. Well, let's get let's get to this because you and I both know there's nothing more nauseating when you know the full context of scripture. You know what's happening, you know, in the story, whatever book it is, whatever passage it is, to have someone handpick a verse that is a very good verse. John 3:16, for example, God so loved the world, we all know it. He gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But then we go out and start condemning people because they're not Christian and John 3:17 says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. 
talk about the context thing because i mean these these are verses here you're i know you're not trying to take sacred cows and turn them into tasty burgers but rather you are trying to help us understand the context is king with some of these great verses that we know well thank you uh right off the top of the bat i need to say i am not a theologian or a pastor or philosopher i just uh i'm a beggar who found bread yep and trying to tell other beggars where to find bread and that is by reading scripture and enjoying a verse and chewing on it but going but but not stopping there, going on to the next verse. Mm -hmm. And um, I've discovered that it's more than just context. Well, context is huge. Who's speaking? What's their audience? Um, uh, when is it? What's the cultural uh, uh, references going on there? But stunningly, so often when you, uh, these verses that people have on their on their coffee mugs or bumper stickers mm -hmm. or needle points, you know what? Your audience, your audience. I know Roger has. Uh, has uh, posters and uh, probably welcome mats. There's there's a, a welcome mat a friend has. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes, we'll, yes. we'll talk about we can talk about that one in a minute uh, from Joshua. Um, but the point is that uh, it's a great verse. Memorize it, take it to heart, own it. But I'll always make sure, as you said, and that we're talking about, always read the next verse. Mm -hmm. um, and again, John three sixteen is a perfect example. Um, yeah, uh, John three sixteen is about love and God's gift and eternal life, but the next verse is, verse is about condemnation. Yeah. For God did not send in His world into the world to condemn the world. And then it even goes on. John three eighteen is uh, that um, uh, the world is condemned already. It's like what, uh, which proves and justifies and confirms that Jesus was on a rescue mission, mm -hmm. not just loving us, but He's on a rescue, rescuing us from eternal damnation yeah 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 uh, jay paylater with me today here on the bottom line and the book is called the next verse what you never knew about 60 of your favorite bible passages we've got a link for this verse up at the bottom of this book up at the bottom line show.com and the next one that follows after it jay as you were assembling these i mean you mentioned it's not too hard go to a Christian book site, go to a Christian bookstore, visit your neighbor's home and between t-shirts, bumper stickers, coffee mugs, inspirational signs, et cetera, you're going to find a lot of these verses out here. But as you started to, you know, basically you're, you're, you're putting them together, you're, mm -hmm. you're starting to line them up. You're taking a look at this. Did you ever find yourself kind of depressed saying, wait, okay, Matthew eleven twenty eight, my yoke is easy. My burden is light uh, comes right after come to me, yeah. all of you. Who are no, weary. Not, yeah. Whoa, whoa. Hey, wait a minute. Wait, not, I, I, not like to, I like the rest. I like the rest. Not depressed like at all. It was delightful to, because yeah. uh, the next verse so often it, it contradicts and it surprises you mm -hmm. and then it challenges you. It clarifies sometimes. Um, uh, uh, one of my favorite examples is, um, is uh, uh, and I don't share this, this is one of them in the book, but um, uh, Joseph, uh, uh, Jesus's earthly father, uh, was visited by an angel, and uh, told that uh, that he would be the the father of the father of the the savior of the world, and he's his mind blowing. But the next verse reminds us that this is all to uh, to confirm what was written in the in the law. So it's like, oh, this is not just happening happenstance. This is reminding. It reminds us that um, uh, Jesus is. Uh, is the fulfillment, the Messiah, the promised Messiah for the Jewish nation, the, the chosen people, that kind of thing. All that to say, that's just one example. Um, the one, uh, the one, there's the two that really caused me to, to write this book. Um, I got, uh, if I may tell the story, uh, yes. uh, 
20 years ago, I got a new Bible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's and, and I'm listening to the preacher, and he's and he's talking about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. A great, a great couple of verses. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. Underline that. It's not by works right. so that you can boast. And that's like, oh, man, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Grace. I mean, you can't you, you can't earn your way to heaven. I get that now. I finally do. And then he goes on and reads Ephesians 2.10. And it's like, wait a second. But we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And God's prepared those for us in advance. It's like, wait a second. Now, of course, we know we understand that you're not saved by you're saved by grace. You're not saved by works. Right. But it's that one two punch that so often happens in Scripture. So that was my. I had this new Bible, and so I flipped it open to the back. It was it was uh, uh, nice clean sheets uh, uh, inside the back cover, and I wrote Ephesians two eight and nine plus ten. The next verse. So that was the first time that that concept came to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, and then the one that cemented it, we've kind of already mentioned it, is Joshua 24, 15. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's such a lovely, lyrical, uh, a few words. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It just kind of feels gentle. We're going to serve the Lord. It's going to be mm-hmm. a wonderful experience. But... Um, you know what? If you poll your your listeners, Roger, you will you will hear them going. I don't know what. I'm not even sure what the context was. Who was Joshua again? I'm not. I'm not putting anybody down. But <laughs> we know Joshua was. Um, uh, he, he, my, Moses never made it to the promised land. Right. He handed Joshua off the baton Joshua. to Joshua, who got him across the river, and the the walls of Jericho fell down. Um, and that's that's when we first meet Joshua, but Joshua twenty four fifteen is the last chapter of, of the book, Joshua 24. Um, Joshua is 110 years old, and he gathers all the uh, Israelites on the fields, uh, on the field, the, the the desert of Shechem, wherever that is. And uh, and he reminds them. He, you can imagine the sea of people. He reminds them of, of God's faithfulness through the years, the history of the Jewish people, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and and going through the Red Sea and the years in the desert, God's faithfulness. And then he says, yeah, paraphrasing, he says, um, all right now, you guys, um, I know on occasion we have started doing this idol worshiping thing, which we shouldn't be doing. And so I'm going to say right here and now, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And okay, that's the context of that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then the next verse, um, it's wonderful. Because the people replied, Joshua 24, 16, the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. Mm-hmm. And Joshua's going, yeah, cool. But then he wants to confirm it two more two more times. He uh, he asked the people, uh, um, all right, now he goes, well, I'm serving the Lord. And they go, yeah, we will never abandon the people. And then we know what happens. Uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua dies a happy man. They bury him. Uh, his book is over. The next book is Judges, and then two chapters later, two pages into it, uh, those rascally Israelites are worshiping idols again. So uh, all that to say, if you see, if you have that on your wall or on a nice, nice wooden plaque or on a welcome mat, every time you step on that welcome mat or pass that, uh, pass that plaque, you need to ask yourself, who am I serving? Mm-hmm. Who are my idols? Yes. And can I recommit myself? 
to uh, to serving the Lord. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, there you go. it's powerful context, and it's important to know that uh, Joshua twenty four fifteen is followed by Joshua twenty four sixteen is followed by the book of Judges for crying out loud. <laughs> and right. so you can see that in that moment, it looks so good, it sounds so sincere, but do we really mean it? Jay Payleitner with me today here on the Bottom Line. The brand new book is called The Next Verse: What You Never Knew About Sixty of Your Favorite Bible Passages. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow dot com. We'll take a look at a few more of these next verses on the other side of this break. Is the bottom line continues you know what are the next steps that you could take right now in your christian faith to demonstrate your love for god is to appreciate the fact that he created you in your mother's womb and that he's breathed life into you not only the physical life that you have but the spiritual life that you have because of our relationship with jesus christ our friends at preborn understand that and that's why when a woman comes in she's facing an unplanned pregnancy she gets a pregnancy test at a preborn health clinic and then the ultrasound the ultrasound shows her the first picture of the son or daughter she's carrying, gives her a chance to hear the heartbeat for the first time. And 83% of the time when a woman goes to a preborn clinic, she's pregnant and she's not certain she wants to continue with the pregnancy. 83% of the time after seeing the ultrasound, she chooses life for herself, but also for her child. And tens of thousands of women are coming to faith in Christ as a result of this ministry. Will you help support by providing an ultrasound? It's $28, covers all the cost of an ultrasound. So $28 for one, $140 for five, $280 for 10. Let's get 50 babies saved between now and the end of the program today. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Or go to kbrightradio.com and click on the preborn banner. Make that donation today. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today. Wilson Financial Services, honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. 800-696-9970. Just reviewed a client who put money into 3D Alternative versus leaving it in a bank. The results are in and they're fun. It's a fun report. Bank Zero, God's Kingdom, two churches in Africa. I often wonder why God's people don't do a better job with stewarding God's money. And I personally think one of them is that they've never been told how or why they should be doing it. Maybe they never heard it's God's money and we're only to be the good stewards of it. But just for fun, this turned out Bank Zero, God's Kingdom, two churches in Africa. This isn't your money. This is God's money. And we want to show you how to be the best possible steward you can be. Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Jay Payleitner is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The book is called The Next Verse, What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's Everyone Wednesday. The phones always ring like crazy on Everyone Wednesday. And today will be no exception. Uh, We've reached the midpoint of my conversation with Jay, and we have three copies of this book to give away. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. This book is so important because context is king. John 3.16 is one you can memorize. John 3.17, we should probably also memorize too. John 3.16, of course, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Then the next verse. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Let's look at more of these next verses with Jay Paintlinder coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
Jay Payleitner is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Brand new book is called The Next Verse, What You Never Knew, about 60 of your favorite Bible passages. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jay, I appreciate the fact that this book is, there's a depth to it without it being too heavy. You know, if you get my drift, I mean, uh, people, we've loved having you on and the topics are always kind of light and breezy and whatever. But this is one of those ones where it could come across as almost shamey if we're not careful. And yet all you're saying is, look, Matthew, we're going to take a look at Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28 says this, but Matthew 11, 29 says that. Do you know that? And how many of us don't? We just focus on the verse that says, come to me, uh, Jesus says, you know, all you who are weary and I will give you rest without taking into consideration the next verse. So if you would unpack that for us and give us an example of what you're talking about. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. But first, I got to say thank you for getting that, Roger. I uh, Again, I, I don't use big words. I, <laughs> I, you know, I inject a little humor once in a while in my sure. in my writing. Mm-hmm. Um, my my best selling book was for dads. Fifty two things kids need from a dad. Sold two hundred thousand copies of that thing. Wow. Uh, wow. And that's just a relational wow. stuff. And then I, I started digging a little deep and realizing that the best way for our relationships to work as a parent, as a friend, as a husband and wife uh, is to uh, is to get our ourselves right with God is to get our is get our own acts right. And suddenly it makes it a lot easier. Um, and so I started digging a little deeper. And that's why I'm starting to do books like this that are not about human relations. They're about ver- the vertical so that we can get the horizontal right. Amen. Um, Amen. All that to say, um, uh, boy, don't you love. Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me. You just want to sit in the shade, shade with Jesus yep. and, and drink lemonade. Come yeah. <laughs> to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a great plaque that is. I need to put that on my wall right here because I am, you know, running like a crazy man sometimes. Uh, but you know what the next verse is? <laughs> okay, we're, re- we're resting with Jesus. Yeah. And then he says, unequivocally, he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you, Roger. That's a that's a, a wooden harness that right. for, for animals. Wait, are you can put a yoke on me and, and learn from me. For I am, and then he goes on to say, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So it's not a physical. We're going to find rest for our souls, not a physical, not a physical rest, but rest for our souls, which is a billion times more important than physical rest. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So again, where he's taking a burden, he's taking a burden. He's promised to give us rest, but uh, more important, he's going to give us rest for our souls. And uh, you know that any burden you have, if you bring it to him, he is the master. He's carried the weight of all the sins of the world. Right. My golly. So he can, he can probably take care of our burden and then even better. And, and it says, and you will learn from me. So as we're harnessed, yoked with Jesus, he's whispering directions and loving thoughts and encouragement to us the whole time. So um, it's a little frightening to take upon, to take Jesus. Well, it's not our yoke. It's, he says, take my yoke, which is even more interesting. So you can kind of look at every every little word in there. Um, and uh, the takeaway from Matthew eleven twenty eight and Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30 are you know what? Um, maybe we should take on more burdens. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should take on more. Uh, you know, not be afraid and say, "Yeah, I, I can take that. I'm, I'm going to take that on because he's going to come alongside, whisper directions, and make sure that we can handle it." At least that's my takeaway. And uh, I, I uh, if if you if you read any of these chapters in this little book, it's like I don't know, Jay. 
then you know what? Write me a note, and I'll be glad to kick it around <laughs> with you. Um, but it's been vetted. It's been vetted, and I think it's pretty theologically accurate. <laughs> it sounds like it. And uh, you know, uh, reading these pages uh, that Jay Paitler Leitner has written in his book called The Next Verse, you do get that appreciation for it. I mean, the fact that we, if we just focus on single verse theology, oftentimes we find ourselves in a situation where we can't really defend ourselves spiritually, and we should no. be able to give First Peter three fifteen says we should always be able to give a defense. Uh, you know, for the hope that lies within us, but to do so with gentleness and respect. And yep. knowing knowing this next verse really helps us understand. Jay Paintleitner's book is called The Next Verse, What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You do have one verse in here, Jay, of the 60 that is somewhat controversial. And I think you know which one I'm talking about, because this is probably the one that the New York Times and the Washington Post and all the, <laughs> the leading publications. Well, you know, here come those judgmental Christians again. And doesn't the Bible say, judge not yes, lest you be judged? Jay, help us understand how this next verse type of study of Bible uh, theology helps us to really understand not only context, but what is actually being said, not just the cherry picking of one verse that says, I'm going to use this against you. Well, um, yeah, Matthew 7, that, that darn gospel of Matthew uh, sometimes sneaks things in there like this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Um, uh, Matthew 7, verse 1, is, is probably the most misused verse in all of Scripture. Um, and uh, Christians, uh, non-Christians will say, don't judge me. The Bible says judge not, as you pointed out. And you know what, Roger? They may be right in this regard. We can't hold non-believers to the same standard that we hold ourselves. They don't have the Holy Spirit. And there's a sense that the Bible is filled with truth, but their eyes are, are, are blinded because uh, they haven't accepted Christ as their Savior. It's not, uh, I don't want to say the Bible's not for them, but they, you, they, when they don't understand it, we can't blame them. It's not, right. it's not their fault. And on the other hand, Christians working with each other, do have responsibility to point out sin in the lives of other believers. Of course. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 5, it is. Uh, uh, Paul writes, it isn't my, excuse me, <clears throat> it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Amen. So, uh, Roger, I want to give you permission. If you see me sinning, that's, <laughs> your job is, what do you job to say, hey, Jay? I love yeah. you, brother, but, but here it is. Yeah, and likewise, and likewise. That's oh, well, for brothers I, in I Christ. Would, I would never, yes. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, and then uh, the next verse, we go moving from Matthew 7, 1 to 7, 2, and 7, 3 and beyond is instructions then on how to judge, again, for believers. Uh, seven, Matthew 7, 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen. So that's that's really helpful to know that you know what we as we judge each other uh, as as fellow believers, then that same kind of things can become back to us. So we need to there's some give and take there. And then of course the following two or three verses is that wonderful passage that's great truth that almost is comical. Why do you why do you look at the speck and saw this in your brother's eye when you got this big old plank or big log in your own eye? Right. So, right. Yeah. So um. Maybe uh, maybe the takeaway from, from this whole section uh, of Scripture is we need to spend more time getting our own head on straight 
and then we have maybe the right and responsibility to start judging others. So um, when we sin, let's promise, Roger, you and I and all your listeners to, to lead with love. And that might be the takeaway here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, judge not. Ah, you, you Christians, you're always judging. Well, yeah, each other. And when we do sin, see sin, it's our responsibility to point it out, maybe to rescue you, dear friend who's not a believer, uh, and go on from there. Jay Paintleitner is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called The Next Verse, What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jay, got about a minute left in our conversation. Mm. How are you imagining or what is your hope and desire for people to use this book? I mean, obviously for personal edification, absolutely. But I, I kind of envision that sometimes we might be tempted to then take that book and say, hey, I know somebody who needs to read this. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah. I can't imagine that's the way you wrote it or why you wrote it, but talk about what your hope is for someone using this book. Well, maybe to do the same thing I did, and that was, I used to get confused by the Bible and get a little angry with it and just close it. And, but if you keep reading, God is not a God of confusion. He's right. a God of, right. of clarity and purpose. And so if you keep reading, whether it's the next verse or the next chapter, he's going to reveal something that he wants to teach you. So that's the takeaway for me. Um, and uh, yeah, e even more than that, what a beautiful picture that the, the entire Bible paints. Mm, um, yes. uh, you take a piece at a time and it's trouble. My wife does picture puzzles and, mm. and when she, she dumps those 2000 pieces on the table. I want no part of it. <laughs> right. But when it starts to come together, when it starts to come together and, oh, it's a beautiful thing. And I'll join her then. Sometimes I put the last piece in my pocket so I can put the last <laughs> piece. But that's that's my that's one of my uh, foibles and follies. Yeah. Um, but um yeah, uh, the, the Bible kind of should be intimidating because it's a, there's stuff in there. Mm -hmm. But keep reading, folks. Read the next verse. And yeah. I mean that literally and uh, literally, I guess. Read the, yeah. read the next verse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, literally read the next verse of Scripture, but also actually uh, read the next verse, what you never knew about your 60 of your favorite Bible passages, the new book by Jay Payleitner. We've got a link to the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jay, always a pleasure. Thank you for this work. I know it's going to bless a lot of people who wind up reading this thing. And thank you so much for your time today to discuss it here on The Bottom Line Show. Well, thank you. Uh, it's one of those devotionals, 60 of them you could read in uh, two months, one, one a day. And I think that might be a, a blessing to some folks. Roger, you're awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. All of San Diego and beyond uh, need you uh, generosity. We'll put it that way. Appreciate you. you. Well, thank you, Jay. Appreciate you too. Uh, the next verse, which you never knew about 60 of your favorite Bible passages, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And because it's Everyone Wednesday, we have lots of copies of this book to give away. As a matter of fact, we have three of them to give away. So if you were intrigued by what Jay and I were just talking about and you want to get a copy of the book, uh, give Teresa or Crystal a call right now at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Of course, it's Everyone Wednesday, so everybody who calls is going to win something. But uh, if you would like a copy of The Next Verse by Jay Paytleitner, uh, we've got three of those to give away right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about a verse in scripture that gets quoted often and with great passion that's gotten one teacher in Florida into hot water. And I'm not sure if I don't or if I do disagree or if I don't disagree with the woman who's making the claim about the Bible verse in question. Let's take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues.
Bless your children with the help you've always wanted to give them. Newport Bay Mortgage works with your unique circumstances to explain the benefits of a reverse mortgage in today's market. Act now and provide for your family in need by gifting them a fraction of the fruits of your labor. With Newport Bay Mortgage, you can clarify the advantages of a reverse mortgage in your specific situation with professional insights on the current market. Sharing the rewards of a reverse mortgage is a valuable act of service that helps your loved ones establish valuable financial security for the future. Use the gift from your home to contribute towards God's work and plans by blessing your family in need with real financial help. Make up your mind today to make a difference in the lives of those who mean the most to you. Start by calling Newport Bay Mortgage at 714-741-8080, 714-741-8080. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse or NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. So many opportunities for you to take advantage of a reverse mortgage. You could, don't have to be 62 anymore. There are some programs that start as young as age 55, and they're not just for cashing out your house. Some of them are for purchasing a home. Hey, check out Cliff Peliquin at Newport Bay Mortgage today. Learn how a reverse mortgage can help your family. 714-741-8080. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278. Guess I'll just keep giving the phone number out for the rest of the show because we've got so many different things to give away. We had our uh, thanks thankful day uh, that we've been giving away uh, goodies and all month long. And by the way, if you have not gone yet to kbrightradio.com, forward slash thankful nominate somebody who you would like to nominate who you are thankful for and if their name is drawn we've got 29 winners so we're <laughs> a lot of people are going to be winning if their name is drawn then they will win a fabulous prize from either dr david jeremiah or charles stanley or dr jeremy mcgarity at skyline or in and out burger hobby lobby the list goes on uh, so go to kbrightradio.com forward slash thankful you'll find uh, where you're supposed to sign up there too. Uh, right now, we're giving away copies of Jay Payleitner's new book called The Next Verse, What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. Just finished up a great conversation with Jay. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, we have three copies of Jay's book to give away. And as we mentioned, every Wednesday, every... <laughs> Everybody who calls in is going to win something, which is why we call it Everyone Wednesday. I want to read you a Bible verse here and see if it sounds familiar, okay? Kind of drawing off, drafting off the theme that Jay Payliner established for us here in the last half hour. Here's the verse. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Now, those are the words of the Apostle Paul, but where is it from? Where is that passage from? Chances are, if I told you, you're going to say, oh, wait a minute. I know that chapter. I know that verse area, sort of. I was reading from Philippians chapter 4. But everybody knows Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Be sure to give him thanks for his answers. How about Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 8, 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then, of course, there's Philippians 4.13. I could do all this through him who gives me strength. How many times do we pull a verse out? Philippians 4 may be one of the most cherry-picked chapters in the Bible. But when you don't have it in context, when you don't have the, the proper uh, framework for what Paul's writing about, you can kind of run into some problems. And I think that's what Jay Payleitner is stressing in his new book called The Next Verse, which if you'd like a copy, we've got three of them we're giving away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Let's get back into Philippians 4.13 for a second. Because there is a recent kerfluffle involving that very passage as it was shared by a member of the faculty at a public high school in florida and an instructional assistant at that same school the wiregrass ranch high school in wesley chapel which is about an hour north of tampa um, that verse showed up and all of a sudden people were concerned Philippians 4.13. In the parking space, we'll put the article up at thebottomlineshow.com. In the parking space, you can see the actual lettering stenciled. It takes up pretty much the whole parking space. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Marina Gentilisco is an instructional assistant at Wiregrass Ranch High School. And she has to park near that parking space. As a matter of fact, she has to walk over those words or around those words or near those words where the car's not there every day. She looks at that verse. I mean, any Christian would look at that verse and say, yeah, isn't that great? There's a teacher here or a staff member who, who's a Christian and they share my faith. And I think that's wonderful. I'm so encouraged, especially at a public school. And to be fair, legally, I don't think there's a problem here. As a matter of fact, we'll dig into the legal ramifications of a teacher having those words stenciled onto his or her parking space. But one instructional aide at the school says that she has a problem with it. As a matter of fact, she's told uh, television station WFLA, quote, seeing this verse brings me to the verge of tears. Now, are you intrigued? I, I would ask you a question. How would you feel if you heard somebody say they were, that a Bible verse uh, moved you to tears in a bad way? And I'm sure many of us would come up and say, well, separation of church and state and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's no, is there any proselytizing going on? It's just a Bible verse. It's not that big a deal. But I want to take a deeper look at this and get your reaction to it as well. So we'll take a quick break, 800-227-5278, uh, still taking your calls for Jay Paytleitner's book, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this when I share the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, about the woman who, oh, by the way, is Jewish. She's not atheist. She's not humanist. We have a Jewish woman who sees Philippians 4.13 and doesn't feel the love of Christ when she reads those words. She senses a fear and trepidation that reminds her, she says, of the Holocaust. Now that gets your attention, 
Let's take that quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive a little bit more into it and go to the phones and get your thoughts on it as well. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Just a few minutes left to get your call in for Jay Payleitner's book, uh, The Next Verse. A great, a great reminder of how important it is to get Bible verses in context. Uh, what you never knew about 60 of your favorite Bible passages. The book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We've got three copies of the book to give away right now, uh, but we're cutting off the uh, call-ins for that book at 4 o'clock Pacific, 5 o'clock Mountain for our KLDC listeners, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, full context here on the story involving the teacher at Wiregrass Ranch High School in Wesley Chapel, Florida, about an hour north of Tampa. Uh, a teacher's parking space has been adorned by a Bible verse, one that we all know. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Paul then spends the next two or three verses basically patting the Philippians on the back, but knowing other people would read this, kind of dissing the other churches by saying, you know, nobody else gave me the support, but you're the only ones who did. Thank you. Left-handed compliment. But it's interesting because Marina Gentilisco is a, an instructional assistant at the high school, and she has to walk past this space every day. Sometimes there's a car there and she doesn't see the words, but every time she sees it, she says she gave an interview to uh, television station WFLA. And she said, you know what? I feel like this verse is attacking me as a Jew. It brings me to the verge of tears because it brings back to me the six million people that perished. Six million people who died because of our faith because we're Jews. Um, and then she said, they survived and we didn't. And what she means by that is a lot of people who remember the Holocaust also remember the role that the Lutheran Church played in helping Adolf Hitler ascend to his dictatorship. First as kind of a, hey, this is a, you know, make Germany great again type of candidate after World War One, But then got to be a bit too much and it was a little too late. Marina Gentilisco says, hey, look, I heard the stories growing up. I, I know what it's like to know that we lost family members. We lost relatives. We lost dear friends in the Holocaust. But the Christians weren't being attacked. It was the Jews who were. And so when I see that Bible verse, it's New Testament. It just reminds me of the fact that the Christians came out dead around. Now, she said, look, I don't have a problem with a Christian going to a Christian church and someone reading that verse or preaching on that verse or doing whatever. But then she said, well, when you put this on state-funded property, that's not okay with me. Well, uh, she took up her grievances about the Bible verse with the school's principal, who then checked in with the school district. And here's what Pasco County Schools had to say. Their public information officer, Stephen Haggerty, told WFLA, quote, it's not a violation. It's a personal expression. There is no proselytizing going on. It's not compelling students to do anything one way or the other. It's a Bible verse that's painted on a parking space on asphalt in the parking lot, and it's protected speech. That's kind of refreshing. Something else, too. And this is something, I don't know if you'd find this here in the People's Republic of California, 
But Stephen Haggerty told WFLA, he says, this has nothing to do with instruction. A teacher has expressed themselves in the same way that maybe a Catholic teacher might wear a, a crucifix around their neck or on their shirt. Teachers and students are free to express their deeply and sincerely held religious beliefs. So by the way, if you're thinking of moving to Florida because Ron DeSantis is a great governor, this is the kind of religious liberty that Ron DeSantis is fighting to protect in Florida. But here you have a teacher who says, hey, you're putting this Bible verse on state-funded property. It reminds me of the stories I grew up with of the fact that the Lutherans, the Christians, were able to kind of make their peace with Hitler, but the Jews went to the gas chamber. And so I find this offensive. It's, it's very troubling to me. So, so far, Marina Jadalisko has not went, won her, uh, her legal battle. No word as to whether or not she's going to continue the fight. But my question for us today here is, as a Christian, knowing that somebody might have this feeling about this verse that is posted here, are we better serving ourselves as Christians to be maybe, was it quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to paint Bible verses on parking spaces in public school parking lots? I could see a case either way for saying, no, be bold, share your faith, put the word of God out there. The word tells us that the word will never come back void. That verse on that parking space is going to have a powerful, powerful impact on somebody's life. On the other hand, though, I'm like, wow, you know, it never hit me like that before. I've never heard a Jewish person say that they survived and we didn't, referring to Christians. How far do you go to try to win some to Christ? Phone lines are open. We'd love to get your thoughts on this. 800-227-5278. Let's take an informal poll. Is it better to leave the Bible verse off the pavement, or is it better to paint it there and let the chips fall where they will? 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Standing invite. By the way, it's our standing invite alert for Switchfoot. Um, <laughs> the studio, I mean, we got got chairs for the whole band. We'll bring in an extra one. I mean, they're a four-piece now. Uh, we'd love to have you come in. And, you know, you were meant to live for so much. Guys, you could take the whole 90 minutes if you want to. 800-227-5278. Uh, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. People are still calling in on this Everyone Wednesday for Jay Paylightner's book, The Next Verse. And uh, we'll, I guess we, we'll keep going until we get the three winners, but everyone's going to win something. Also, if you have a comment on this story, I would love to get your take on this because I think I could be pretty ambivalent with regard to Marina Genalisco, who is an instructional assistant at Wiregrass Ranch High School in Wesley Chapel, Florida. It's about an hour north of Tampa. She gave an interview to television station WFLA and said there's a teacher here at the school who has the words from Philippians 4.13. Well, she didn't mention it. Um, she just pointed out the words. And, and I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, I've seen people who will wear like Bible verse, John 3.16, whatever, on jewelry or maybe a T-shirt or a book bag, something like that at a school. I don't think I've ever seen a teacher having gotten... There are thousands of schools. I'm sure this has probably happened before. I'm not aware of it. 
but who took instead of just putting Philippians 413 in their parking space, you know, I park at number 820. Well, I park at Philippians 413. You know, um, this teacher actually printed the words, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me in the parking space. And Marina Genelesco, who's a uh, instructional aide, said, I'm offended by this. Uh, the words she used were very, very graphic. She said, I feel like as a Jew, these words are attacking me. She said, it brings me to the verge of tears because it brings me back to the six million people that perished. Six million who perished because of their faith, because we are Jews. Now, I, I knew that the Jewish tradition is when they talk about the Bible, of course, they're talking about the 39 books of the Old Testament. We who are New Testament believers believe that we are saved by the blood of the, the new covenant, not the old one. And uh, Steve Gregg at uh, uh, Narrow Path always points out so very, very eloquently and articulately, it's a great exhortation for us, the church. If anyone wants to talk about, quote unquote, replacement theology, putting air quotes up for the My Open Now crowd. Basically, what they're talking about is there's only there, there's no replacing the Jews for Christians. That it's it's not like that. As a matter of fact, when you talk about the Jews and the you know the chosen people of God, all the chosen people now of God belong to Jesus Christ. So he's kind of like the new Israel in that sense, though there obviously is a literal Israel in the political sense. But the idea of the new covenant means that what has been replaced is not the people but the covenant. So now instead of Torah obedience of the old covenant, if you follow what God tells you to do, he blesses you. If you disobey God, he curses you. Now, the payment for your sin is not just a series of rituals and sacrifices and bloodshed and all that type of, you know, wave festivals and grain offerings and all that stuff. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. You basically are compelled by the Holy Spirit that gives you the gift of faith to believe that you can receive the gift of salvation that leads you into the waters of baptism and in the waters of baptism where Jesus has purified that space. So instead of us getting nailed to a cross and bleeding out and crying out in agony to God to have our sins forgiven, Jesus substitutionary death takes care of all that. I know there's some people that say, no, there's no such thing as substitutionary atonement. And that's, for, that's for another conversation or call Steve tomorrow and see what he has to say. But once we experience that, when you profess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be compelled to meet him in the waters of baptism, where literally as you are being submerged into the water, your your old man, your old person is drowning and then comes up washed clean of all your sin because now you have received the benefit of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you receive communion, the Eucharist, which literally means Thanksgiving, the body and blood of Jesus are present in the elements. So that's the good news of the gospel. So people who are in the Jewish tradition still, unless they're messianic, like uh, Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus or uh, Tom Cantor, uh, Aaron Budgen, you know, these guys who came out of the that tradition, um, then you're still following the old covenant. And God says, hey, new covenant, you know, a new covenant, new commandment, love one another. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So to have a, a woman who's in the Jewish tradition working as an instructional aide at this school does kind of give us a great opportunity for witnessing. And the witness, of course, is don't just paint a Bible verse on the ground at the school and leave it there. 
and hope that God does the work. Oh, sure, God's word tells us that the word of God, when preached, when it's proclaimed, when it's shared with other people, it will never come back void. It will accomplish the work it's supposed to accomplish. And it's possible, I don't know uh, Miss Genelisco, I, I don't know what's happening in her heart right now. I mean, maybe that pain and maybe all the, the agony of remembering the Holocaust is helping her also to see that maybe perhaps she has more of a cultural uh, Jewish faith than an actual vibrant, thriving Jewish faith. And maybe this is the time that God's going to use a verse like this to bring her back to himself. And I think that's great. If that's going to happen, we should be gently respecting her position. Uh, by the way, three cheers for the... Uh, uh, the school officials, the principal, the uh, public information officer, everyone involved at Wiregrass Ranch Valley High School uh, in Wesley Chapel, Florida, just outside of Tampa. Because when the principal was made aware of the complaint, the principal then went to the school's public information officer and said, will you look into this? And the public information officer for the district said, here's the deal, not a violation. Personal expression, not a violation. If this teacher had been Muslim and they put something about, you know, well, they wouldn't say death to the infidel, but if they put a verse from the Quran that they thought was very important to them, it might make us feel a little weird walking past it every day on campus, but it is protected speech. And they should have the right to be able to put that out there as well. Another, this is, I love the school district's response. When Stephen Haggerty gave the, gave the interview to WFLA, he said, by the way, the reason that we're okay with this too, is it's not proselytizing. It's not compelling students to think or feel anything. The fact that it did bring up some memories for a Jewish woman whose relatives did not survive the Holocaust is rather telling when she said they survived, they in air quotes, meaning the Christians, and we, meaning the Jews, did not in Germany. And so she finds that offensive or it makes her feel uncomfortable. But the public information officer said, look, this has nothing to do with instruction. It's a teacher expressing him or her, herself. If that teacher wore a, a cross necklace or cross earrings or a crucifix or something like that, same thing. You know, the, uh, the crabby atheist and angry humanist crowd would say, well, you can't do that because I'm offended. But reality is, legally, you have every right to do it. But let's put the shoe on the other foot for just a moment. When we are presenting our faith in Christ to unbelievers in an unbelieving world, how is it going to be received? There's a guy uh, who lives not in the neighborhood here, but in our community, who sits on the corner of a busy intersection. He's on the sidewalk, and he sits in a wheelchair with a bullhorn. And he preaches, or so I'm told. I am aware of the fact that his voice is... He's saying something. But there are so many cars. We're talking three-way turns in every direction. Thousands of cars go by there every day. I have no idea what he's saying. In other words, to me, he is doing what I call asteroid or meteor preaching. And you may think it's very effective and we're reaching all these tens of thousands of people who drive by here every day. But the reality is, if you were far enough away and someone told you that a big storm was coming or a meteor was coming or something like that, and you had time to get out of the way, you'd see that go, I don't want to get hit by a meteor and get in your car and drive away. Oftentimes, we, in our zeal to share faith in Christ, wind up offending people and alienating them, and we didn't really have to. Now, I'm not saying that you want to be so worldly that 
you look so much like the world that people can't tell you're the church. Hint, nudge, elbow to those mega church crowds that sometimes get so wrapped up in looking like the world. There was one church around here a couple of years ago, and the big highlight of their Advent season had nothing to do with the birth of Christ. It had everything to do with the petting zoo. If you want to have animals, I mean, have animals. Obviously, there were animals in the manger, but it just seemed like that was the main draw, like people could just go and pet the animals and never hear the gospel. We want every opportunity. I mean, the days are definitely evil. This is the, the opportunity. It's Ephesians 5. Make the most of every opportunity to share the gospel. But what do you think? I'm inclined right now to think that if I'm that teacher, I'm not really effectively sharing my faith with anyone, especially knowing that this person had such a negative response to it. Maybe not by stenciling this on the parking space, but maybe trying to sit down with her and have a conversation and ask some questions like, you know, I want to apologize if I offended you. What was it about this first that gave you such pain? Engage in a dialogue and see what happens. You might have a better opportunity to win a soul for Christ that way. Or, hey, be bold. Suck it up, buttercup. If you can't handle it, it's the word of God. It's true. It's legally protected. Are we good? What do you think? How does it strike you? A teacher prints on stenciled lettering on their parking space at the school every day. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And an instructional aide is offended by it, hurt by it. It brings back some painful memories of her family history as a Jew. What do you think? 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive 6% CD alternative. This unique real estate-backed investment has continued to perform exceptionally well in good times and in bad. I just reviewed a client file, and it really felt bad because in reviewing the file, I realized that if they had followed the advice they had received, if they had put the money in the CD alternative, as I had recommended, they would have earned enough to build a church in Africa. Instead, the money is still in the bank, earning nothing but dust. I realized how important it is to know it's God's money, and we're just a good steward of it. One simple idea on the CD alternative would build a church in Africa. Honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We're taking a look at the story out of Florida, just outside of Tampa, a teacher at the Wiregrass Ranch High School in Wesley Chapel, uh, has the Bible verse, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me in a pretty, uh, the picture will be up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's just basic, boring, yellow stencil. Nothing fancy, no artwork, no nothing. And a Jewish woman who works as an instructional aide at the school says, I'm offended by that. It causes me great pain to think about the fact that, as she put it, they, meaning the Christians, survived, and we, meaning the Jews, did not, the Holocaust. What do you think? Effective way to be bold in your faith, or perhaps maybe there's a different way to uh, go about sharing your faith in Christ this way. Uh, Let's go to the phones now. Dean is in Anaheim. Dean, welcome to the bottom line. Hello? Hey, Dean. Hello? Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. Well, first of all, I think her 
comments are kind of ridiculous because she's kind of painting all Christians with the same brush. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think we could put the shoe on the other foot for a moment and say, well, probably there were a lot of Christians even who were persecuted, even killed by the Nazis. So, and mm-hmm. so you know, uh, it's interesting that whenever anybody wants to think about something evil, uh, the Nazis were like the first thing that people bring up. But, uh, That's they kind of have become the default. Like if there's a quote unquote perpetual yeah. boogeyman in the culture, all of a sudden it's, well, right. I don't like that guy. He's a Nazi. You know, it's, it's, right. it's a little irresponsible. Yeah, That's a good I really point. like your idea of sitting down, sit down with the lady and you know, try to discuss and all that. So, you know, I think there's a lot to think about here. The last thing I would say is uh, the verse says, I can do all, all things through Christ, which strengthen me. That sounds like it's a, uh, an inanimate object, or you know, they should say, "Who strengthens me?" I would think. Yeah, depending depending on the translation. Yeah, you either get who or which or whatever. I think that's more the King James. But uh, yeah, uh, those are good points, uh, Dean. Thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate hearing from you. Good boy. Okay. 800-227-5278. Uh, it's interesting because when you look at uh, if you try to get numbers on. Uh, persecution. You can you can slice this a number of different ways. One thing our good friends uh, like uh, Leela Gilbert, Nina Shea have been tracking persecution of Christians all over the world for years. And uh, you've got even, you know, Amnesty International and places like that that are you know, these are secular organizations that are acknowledging the fact that Christians are the most persecuted people group in the world right now. Um, it's interesting because during the 20th century, if you look at all of the, to, the in toto, if you will, the the number of Christians who were killed because of you know different governmental re- regimes, six million Jews killed in the Holocaust by Adolf Hitler is terrible, but 45 million Christians who were murdered during the 20th century and, and martyred, um, that's really staggering. But here's the issue: now you have to start dicing this out. The majority of the Christians who lost their lives in the 20th century were primarily killed during communist regimes or the Islamist uh, regimes, the, the Islamists, if you will, not the rank and file, uh, you know, Muslim, but rather the Islamist who's radicalized. So it is it is important to you know to know the history and understand what's going on. It and it does seem like a stretch. I, I, I agree with Dean on the fact that it does seem like a stretch for a Jewish person, one person to say, when I see that, this is the way I feel. But let me, uh, let me take this a step further and see if this uh, resonates with you. Regarding that, this is how I feel. We just finished up an election cycle here in the United States. The Democrat party staved off what was certain to be a red wave if you were playing by the old rules. And everyone knows that the old rules of politics do not apply anymore. It's one thing I said on this program on November 9th, 2016, was if Donald Trump could get nominated, okay, if Donald Trump could get elected, which he did, I said basically what this is telling America is politics as we know it has changed forever. It's never going to be the same way again, where you find that governor or senator or something like that who's up and coming, you know, appeals to the right amount of, you know, the right people. Then we find someone from the East Coast and someone from the Midwest or the South or the West Coast, and you put them together on the ticket. Or remember back in the uh, early 1980s, I mean, uh, Ronald Reagan was up for the presidential nomination, and so was George H.W. Bush. And it was pretty fierce competition, 
when Reagan got the nomination, he chose his biggest rival in the GOP, H.W., to be his vice president. I mean, that's that's how you you brought the party together. But the Trump era says we don't do things business as usual anymore. And toward that, you're like, well, why are we talking about Trump? I mean, because he's got these Nazi connections now, these white supremacists, allegedly. But there isn't a set way in the political protocol anymore. It is very feelings-based. You have two major political parties, and one outranks the other in terms of the number of people who are actually registered to that party. And the, uh, the party platform goes something like this. This is how I feel. This is what I'm afraid of. I, I mentioned this before that uh, we were talking about the, uh, the number of people who voted Democrat because they were trying to simultaneously increase the number of government support they got, i.e. You know, socialism, <laughs> free money from the government, but also voting to, quote unquote, preserve democracy because everybody on NPR and PBS and CNN told them democracy is at risk if the Republicans win. I mean, even now, if you go back and look at the media reports, let's say of 2010, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, first term, midterms rolled around. They had a Democrat supermajority for two years. And then there was just a red wave like you have never seen before. And the House and the Senate eventually went to the GOP, the Tea Party and all that sort of stuff. That was a referendum on people who said, we think President Obama is too socialistic and we don't want that. Donald Trump, 2018. For as many people as loved him, there was a 45-seat swing in the uh, House of Representatives. Paul Ryan, thanks for playing. You know, the, the Democrats took over, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, yakety-schmackety. By the conventional rules of engagement in politics, Joe Biden should have lost 40 to 45 seats in the House and probably should have lost control of the Senate. But he didn't because the Democrats had a clear message, and that was the sky is falling. Democracy is in peril. And oh, by the way, they're coming to take away gay marriage and your right to get contraception. None of that was true, but Democrats believed it. And they staved off the red wave. Republicans said, well, you know, if this was the 1978 midterms, uh, uh, anytime historically there's been a drop in the uh, public opinion poll, the president is under 40 percent. Well, that means you're going to get a red wave. When economy is tanking and inflation's over 8 percent, well, you're going to get a red wave. Well, guess what, gang? None of that matters anymore. Why do I say that? I say that to say this. Whereas we, we used to live in an America where we would say, you know, I'm going to go put John 316 signs up at the football game. And if people don't like it tough, we're a Christian nation. Are we willing now to run that same risk? This is the Guardian in the UK who ran this article. I mean, are realizing now these are all away games until Jesus comes back. Are we better served in terms of our desire to be effective witnesses for the gospel? By saying, you know what, if this woman is offended, I want to know why the teacher has not sought out the instructional aid and sat down with her and said, can we get coffee? Can we get a bagel, donut, whatever? I mean, scone. Tell me how you feel. I had no idea putting this verse here would make you feel this way. Please tell me your story. I don't see anything in this report that indicates that the Christian woman or man, they don't indicate the gender of the person, um, has any, made any sort of effort to reach out to this woman. And that's concerning to me. Love to get your thoughts, though. Phones are open for one more segment, 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, congratulations, Alina from Oakdale, Nate from Raton, and uh, Helena from Sacramento, who won Jay Paytlightner's book, The Next Verse. I hope you enjoy that. Okay, more of your calls coming up next as the bottom line continues. Man, it is so good to hear people in the body of Christ reaching out, connecting with other people, helping people, standing in the gap for those who don't know uh, what it's like to be around Christian brotherhood and sisterhood. And our friends at Preborn are really in the thick of things right now. There are a lot of women who are scared. They're concerned because they think, hey, you know what? I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do. If they go to an abortion clinic, the only real counsel they're going to get is let us give you a bunch of birth control pills. And when would you like to schedule your abortion? Oh, yeah, we'll do an ultrasound. We're not going to show you the baby, though, because that would be, quote, unquote, too traumatic. But with preborn, it's beautiful. You go to the preborn health clinic, you get a pregnancy test. There's no charge. You get an ultrasound and all of the technical stuff that goes along with that costs about 28 bucks to do that. But when you do, you get to meet your child for the first time. You get to see that picture. You get to hear the heartbeat and you get to find out what your options are. You can place that child for adoption. You could raise that child on your own with help. Or if you choose abortion, that's still a legal option, too, in many states. But 83% of the women who go to preborn and get the ultrasound wind up keeping their child. Learn, learn more about how you can support this outstanding ministry when you go to kbrightradio.com and hit the banner for preborn today. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. So glad you've been calling in today for our Everyone Wins Day. It's also the final day of our friendship giveaway or our thankfulness giveaway. If you go to kbrightradio.com, forward slash thankful. You can find out the form. Get it in quickly, though. you got about five minutes. And then they're going to start drawing the winner's names, and everybody's going to be getting their prizes next week. And congratulations to everybody who called in earlier. We did a little special bonus where if you called in and uh, nominated a friend or someone you're thankful for, you also got a prize as well. Um, grateful for everybody. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the team that we have here at the Bottom Line Show and the fact that uh, we are able to present this program to you each and every day. Um, We've been talking about this story out of Florida about a teacher at a high school there who had stenciled the words for Philippians 4.13, I could do all things through him, Christ which strengthens me, uh, on their parking space. And a woman of Jewish background said that reminds me of the Christians surviving the Holocaust and the Jews being wiped out in the Holocaust, six million of them. And it it was hurt, it, hurtful to me. I, I, I could just... Uh, they survived and we didn't. And I thought, you know, it was really nice to see the state of Florida actually respect religious liberty. I know our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom would be thrilled about that. It was very nice to see the school and the school district say, yeah, you have every right to do this. But now we have to ask ourselves the question in the world that we're living in right now. Do we benefit more from being a little more sensitive to the cries of the hearts of other people? And here's the response i'd give you very simply god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him if you wonder what the best way is to share your faith in christ with somebody who is not a believer yet look at the way jesus handled it now you might say well wait a minute roger when jesus was there with the pharisees and the sadducees and the scribes he was pretty hard on those guys he was pretty tough in terms of sharing his faith, so to speak, which is he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He was very tender, though, with people who did not know. 
And I have to wonder, in the Jewish tradition especially, how many people have an actual practicing Jewish faith and how many people have a cultural Jewish tradition? Attorney Barack Lurie wrote a whole story about that, about his renouncing atheism. And when I asked him about what it was like for him to be in college and tell his Orthodox Jewish parents that he was an atheist, they said, okay, he's going through a season of atheism, but you're still a Jew. And I said, how do you do that? He goes, well, culturally, yeah. Brothers and sisters, we don't ever want to be accused of being cultural Christians. And something tells me is God is redeeming everything to himself. He's redeeming mankind, womankind, nature. Everything is being restored to what he had intended for it to be. Part of that restoration process with us is he is shaking the cultural uh, scales from our eyes, getting the cobwebs off of our feet, giving us a chance to see what is real about our faith and what isn't. Do we have gentleness and respect for the lost people who ask us a question? This woman here is basically asking a Christian teacher, how can you put that up there knowing that Christians survived the Holocaust and Jews didn't? Rather than trying to defend ourselves legally, and oh yeah, the teacher's rights were upheld by the school district, why not reach across the aisle and say, tell me more about where you are? In the same way God entered the world through the baby Jesus, maybe we should be entering the world outside the church to let the true gospel shine so people can give glory to God in heaven for our words. That's the bottom line. 